Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you tonight, Allison? I'm well. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking with Chris, who has a flannel man experience, and I asked him about black dogs, as I do with most flannel man witnesses. And he didn't see any, right? He didn't have a black dog experience, but he had a black panther experience. Oh, that seems very close. He also tells this really kind of frightening story about a demon he encountered say, on a hunting trip. Very creepy. Before we get to Chris's story, we're going to continue our new series, High Strangeness in Hellum. If you remember the first segment I talked with Dylan, he told stories about seeing UFOs. After making this documentary, he started to see these UFOs. We continue our talk, and in this segment, he talks about some threats he received after making the documentary and a person who visited his house very late at night. A real person? It seems to be. One thing I didn't mention in the first segment was that I met Dylan at a park. You can hear the birds in the background. I guess people probably realized that we were outside when I was interviewing him. But he met me there because it was close to where he was living at the time when all this stuff was happening. So I got to see where he was living. I got to see the deck he was sitting on when he was seeing the UFOs that he mentioned in the first segment. And I got to see the place where a lot of the stuff you'll hear in these upcoming segments took place. It was pretty interesting. Because he literally pointed out, you know, hey, on this hill is where I saw this. Hey, that's the deck I used to sit on when I saw the UFOs. Doesn't that really help to make it real? I think that's the thing I like about, well, that's why I don't go to on-site. <laughs> <laughs> we had a friend ask us this past weekend, oh, so do you go out on the uh, on-site investigations? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, not that I tend to doubt witnesses, but to have someone literally take you and say, okay, look, this is where this story happened. Mm -hmm. This is where this story happened. This is where this story happened. 
it does hit it home mm-hmm. even more. You know, when you're standing there with a witness and he's, he's literally pointing like, this is where I saw this. It was pretty incredible. So let's go ahead and hear our next segment of High Strangeness in Helm. So, how soon after these initial sightings mm-hmm. did the really weird stuff start happening? I'm talking about, we talked before, just so people right. know, so I know some of your stories. I'm talking about the man in black thing and the thing with your door opening. Alright, the sightings started when I first went out on the deck. That was May. That was May of 10, 2010, when I sat down, when I had the urge to go out there and sit down and look. Um, dealing with the guys over at the Panera Bread, those cats, I'm going to say that's 2011. Okay. I'm going to put that in 2011. I wrote all this stuff down, and that was a minute ago. So mm-hmm. my memory isn't as sharp as it was when it's dealing with time. When it's dealing with the time and, you know, right, yeah, when yeah. things took place. But I'm going to give that in 2011 was when I was approached. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm getting... From when we shot that in May, 09, it was published in August. So we put that in August of 09. So August 09, from that point, when it came out on the net, August 09, I'm getting my threats now. So I'm like, I expect threats. Okay, so let's hit that first. Documentaries published, you start seeing the lights, mm-hmm. and then you start getting like threats online. As soon as we published, we shot in 09, May 09, we put it out there. In August of '09, that was the first part. Anyway, you know, I'm prepared for the threats. I know how this whole thing goes. I know about disinformation. I know the whole gamut. You know, I've been dealing with this since '90, mm-hmm. so I know how it goes. I've watched other people come out with their stories, and I see how they get torn to shreds. So I already know that that's coming. Right. But my whole thing was my privacy because I know if they know who I am, they're going to know where I am. Mm-hmm. If they know where I am, they're going to be able to touch my family. And I don't even want nobody joking about. Threatening my no, family. No, yeah, no, I get that. Well, That's the number one reason about my identity I'll not be- being disclosed, right? So I'm like, that's the only ticket they're going to go with. Mm-hmm. And I will set up if you threaten my child, any of that, it's over with. Mm-hmm. So I was protecting that so I can keep pushing this right. thing. So once they realized I never came out with my identity, I started getting threats. Those threats, I'm going to say, like I said, they came in 11, 2011, early 2011, let's say early 2000, let's say January, February, start getting the threats, you know, you know who you are, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I can either respond to this and keep coercing them, or I can just stay mute and don't respond. So that's what I did. That's, that's probably the best way that's to handle it. That's the best way yeah, I consider I think so. to deal with it. Don't even respond. And I tell everybody that to this day, people that are dealing with stuff and they're throwing it on Facebook and Twitter, I'm like, it's best you don't respond to the agitators mm-hmm. or the provocateurs right. because the more you feel that fire it's going to get worse for you mm-hmm. so I just said let me just keep my mouth closed so I kept my mouth closed I was getting all these threats I would be going into different chat rooms there was a chat room I'll tell you about this chat room the chat room is called DoFat TV DoFatTV.com DoFat is a producer for Bad Boy Records he had a chat room I used to go in there and hang out with them right on my downtime to get away from all the UFO stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I'm in there. None of them know what I'm involved in. None of those people when they knew that. I'm just in there. I'm like, yo, you know, how you doing, Tony? Blah, blah, blah. Hanging with all these people, different types of celebrities coming through there. And the whole gamut. Nobody knows about none of that. I'm in the room. I get a private message. We know who you are. 
Oh man. So I, you know, I'm not showing. I'm not showing anybody this. Right. I'm just sitting there reading it. So I'm like, I can leave the room. If I leave the room, they're gonna assume they got to me. So I just stay in the room. I don't respond. Then that kept happening. Kept happening. Then it was, you're at this address. That's the address over here. They named your address. Yeah, they named. They gave me the number. They gave me the number on the door, and they said, we're gonna come up into your bedroom and kill you. This is what they're saying in the chat in the text. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm not responding. So I just sit there in the room, sit there another hour. I'm just not even responding. I'm reading it, but I'm like, I'm not responding. So the next day, I call the team back in the West Coast telling me, yo, I got this going on. They were like, yeah, we know about that. I'm like, all right, because these guys, I can say it, they work for Microsoft. Okay. A lot of people don't know hackers. A lot of the top guys, they work for companies oh, like sure. that. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So these guys are connected. And they were like, we know about that. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, okay. To me, it's just words. I'm like, okay, it's just words on the screen. I don't know who that could be, but whatever. I'm still not taking it too seriously because nobody's physically approaching me. Mm-hmm. You're telling me this and you're telling me that. You're telling me my address. That's cool. That's something to worry about. A little red flag, but I'm still not seeing nobody. Mm-hmm. So sometime in 11, the second documentary we shot at the end of 2000. There's a part two to that documentary so the total thing is like four and a half hours so we did the second part octoberish you know octoberish i give you it was it was the middle of october we shot the second one in the middle of october in 2010 shot it and probably put it out about a month later but after that that takes us into 2011 in 2011 i'm getting the death threats and sometime middle of 2011 i want to say when I came out there, because I'm still looking out, you know, going like down on the deck, sitting in the chair, looking at the sky. So one night, it was late. I went to sleep early and got up late. I wasn't going to work the next day. So I went downstairs, got something to drink. And all this, I do all this in the dark when I'm moving throughout my house at night. Everything's in the dark. Go downstairs, grab something to drink, decide to sit out on the deck because it's warm out. It's a nice night. So I, I just threw the blinds back a little bit just to look. That's a habit. If you come from D.C. and Maryland, you came through that 1980s drug war stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a habit before you walked out the door to just glance out the window. It's just a, it's know what just, you're walking Everybody into. has a quirk. That yeah. was one of our quirks back home. Yeah. So I'm going to go out on the deck and look, you know, look, sit in the chair and see what I can see. But before I do it, I, I throw the blinds back and I look and I see a guy, a figure, coming from that direction. I'm like, it's 140 at night. So I'm like. That's probably somebody from the condos walking the dog. Now he just dressed normally, like just. He had on beige, you know, beige khakis. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see um that bombing? What was that the Boston Marathon bombing? Did you ever see like those guys that they said that they were with the military? They had the Punisher shirts on. They had these beige. Yeah. yeah. He had that. He had that color pants on. Okay. Right. He had that on. Jacket, light jacket. And I'm looking at it from a distance. The first thing I think is, that's somebody walking their dog. So I look. I just keep watching him. He's walking right straight towards my deck. But he's like in slow motion. The way you saw me doing it, he was walking slower than me. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of strange, but I was like, I really wasn't. I didn't think too harsh on the speed of his movement. And then I noticed I didn't see a dog. So I'm like... Man, what is this? So when he got like right past the mound, I ran in the, in the living room and grabbed my gun and came back and just, I kept my eye on him. When he got right to the deck, I slid the 
glass door back and stepped out on the deck. And he knew I was there for him. You know, he knew I was prepared. Right. Because he could see it in my hands. And he just pivoted, man. He just pivoted to his right, which is to my left, and he just walked off. Yeah, he showed me he did kind of like that hard turn. Yeah, that, that, that military. Yeah. Man. Like he planted It was weird as hell to see. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. I, I didn't give no sense that he feared for his life. Yeah, see, I think it was me. Let's say I just happened to be hanging out there. And you you came out, and I saw you. I'd be like, "Whoa, right? I'm just here, dude." The yeah, whole thing was doing. He's moving. He's in most. He's right there at my deck. So you're with purpose. That was another thing that really bothered me after that whole thing was was over with, and he left. You know, I spent weeks saying, "What if I had not stepped out there? Mm-hmm. What if I wasn't at home? Right? What was he going to do?" I had to play that over my head for a long time, and just the thought of that, that type of stuff could drive somebody crazy. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. so a lot of people don't know. One point I really want to stress: you can believe in stories, you can say, or you don't have to believe in. You can say it's all bull. But the people that are involved with that stuff, when they're going through that stuff, I'm not even going to sit here and try to convince anybody anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, just that one thing alone. Just like when I said the guys back on the West Coast, they were like, "We know about that." So in my mind, I'm like, "Yeah, you know about it, huh? Maybe it was you, but I'm not telling them that." Right. Right. So I'm like, "Yeah, okay, you know about that." I'm like, "Okay." So that's why I'm like, I was kind of like relaxed, like, what well, could be y'all just messing with my head, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not telling them that I'm thinking that. Right. So I'm like, cool, all right, whatever. If it's just them fueling the fires for me to keep pushing the story, that's cool, too, because I've heard that before, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, cool, whatever. But I'm not giving in to them, letting them know how my mind is operating. But when I saw that guy that night, I said, that ain't y'all. That's when I was like, this is getting real now. Yeah. Now it's getting real. Now people are coming to me. That's when I started having a problem, man. I started really getting, like, anxiety now. Now I'm like, hold up, man. Now people are literally coming to me. Yeah. That's- At 1.40-something in the morning, that ain't, it's not funny no more. Right. It's not nothing I can brush off and say, yeah, whatever. This is real now. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. I started slowly back and retracting all my links to those guys on mm-hmm. the West Coast. I'm still talking to them, but I wasn't doing as much as I was because we had already put the second documentary out. But now I'm slowly backtracking and like falling back, you know, just trying to detach myself because mm-hmm. I'm thinking that was another thing. I had to call my son's mother and let her know, look, he can't come up here for some time. I don't know how long oh, he yeah. can't be up here. Right. Yeah. Not telling her what's going on. I'm just saying trust it's for the best. Right. I don't want him up here. He can't come up here. And that was a couple years. I kept my son away, kept him back in Columbia. And they didn't know anything until after this stuff blew way over and I started slowly reeling in on what was going on at what time, etc. But that happened and I'm like, alright, this is real. Now I gotta stay up now. Now I gotta stay up on it. And that night that that happened think I went to bed? Nah, hell no. I went up in my bedroom, turned the lights on, I stayed up all night. I did, I stayed up all night, say about maybe, maybe two months. Wow. Until the sun came up for about two months. Right. Just off of that one little thing. No. Off of that one little thing right there, I stayed up for about two months, man. Like at nighttime, I was up all night on the internet, playing in the chat rooms or whatever. Right. But I'm not going to sleep. Right. No, sleep in the day and just stay up all night. That's how I played that. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, tonight we're talking with Chris, who has some experiences he'd like to share with us. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. And as much as you're comfortable, we'll talk about this flannel man thing first. And you okay. can be as general as you want. About when and where did this happen? I want to say this would have been in the mid-90s. And it was in Washington State, uh, where I grew up. And, you know, the weird thing, I guess the flannel shirt did kind of stick out to me but i think in listening to your show and some other people's stories it made me think well maybe that's actually an important detail but i guess just to to tell you the story so it was christmas eve and we had a lot of family at our house and uh you know i was just kind of tired uh and i went up and i ended up falling asleep in my parents room the weirdest thing when i was woken by this sound and like this, you know, very intense feeling of dread, not just fear, but like I did something wrong. That was the weirdest part about it. The sound I'm talking about, it was almost like a, I don't know how to explain it, but it was a repetitive sound. I'll make the sound uh, and I'll have to apologize for it, but it was like, wow, wow. You know, and it was almost like something, there was almost like a rhythm to it. It was very weird, but I could, I could feel it too. I just, I don't know how to explain that. I've heard, there was a girl, and I believe it was on your show, who had said like a windmill sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, if, I didn't want to steal that from her, but if I had to kind of, when she said that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I heard. Yeah. Um. I kind of rolled over. I was on my side. And when I rolled over, in the doorway to my parents' room was this figure. And I remember thinking, like, is that my dad? And in that droning sound or whatever, however you want to explain it, I don't know how to explain it. There was this yelling. It was like a screaming, like very intense. 
again, like, I don't know if that was, went along with <laughs> that feeling of that I did something wrong, but it was very intense and it almost sounded underwater or if the sound had a shape, it would be like a cone, if that makes sense. Like it, it, it was coming at me and like intensifying as it got to me. And they had this flannel shirt on. And in fact, it's the only thing I necessarily remember as far as features. They were backlit, you know, to the hall and it just terrified me. I threw the covers over my head and I could still hear the sound. I could still feel it. And I just, I froze, you know, I started screaming for my parents and they both, you know, came running up. Of course we had family behind them and, you know, I was all sweaty. I was trying to tell them what happened and uh, they're like, Oh, you know, I think it was just a dream. And that was kind of it. You know, they never made the big deal out of it. Um, of course it stuck with me mm -hmm. and I think that was the thing which almost makes it me think like, does it even fit with your flannel man experiences? I don't know. But the flannel shirt to me really stood out, I guess, when I started hearing the, the other listeners say things about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say this counts for sure, but I cast a broad net when it comes to flannel man. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain it. But of course I did have other experiences that kind of surrounded my sleep. I had, you know, night terrors, uh, for a very long time. And in fact, my daughter had them for, you know, I don't know about a year. The episode and what made me even reach out to you was in this one, we hit like, you know, there was like flannel man, night terrors, um, sleep paralysis was the thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like black dogs and, uh, anyway, so that's why I reached out. So how old were you when this went down? I would have been, see, I moved into that house when I was nine. I probably, I want to say I, I had to have been probably around 12 to 14 at the oldest because my grandpa passed away around, you know, 14. And I know he was there. So, yeah, 12 to 14, I'd say. And you said this was Christmas Eve? It was on Christmas Eve, yeah. Have you considered that it might have been Santa Claus coming and that you were not you were not <laughs> yeah. good, on the on the good list? Yeah, yeah. Or what's the <laughs> what's the uh what's the bad Santa? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bell Snickle or one of or, those yeah, guys. I don't know. It's like it's like the the one that's evil. Oh, Krampus. From Germany? Yeah. Yeah, Krampus. Yeah, 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 Krampus. Yeah. Maybe it was. I don't know. It was it was just a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Yeah, and did you say? Forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm just remembering. Yeah. Did you say the flannel shirt was like you recognized it? So this was the weirdest part about it. So do you remember that? Do you remember the flannel material that was like combustible? It was like <laughs> that those old flannel shirts that I can't remember the material they were made out of. But my dad had this shirt. It was like a green, blue, and white. And in my memory, you know, that it was my dad's shirt. And that was the thing where I thought, like, is that my dad? And whether or not it was actually his shirt, I recognized it mm -hmm. as that. Mm -hmm. And it was bizarre. I think it was like rayon or rylon. I can't remember that material, what it was called. 
And I actually kept that shirt for a very long time. And it was kind of one of those things for me where I'm like, it, I don't know. It always made me think of it, you know, but that was a weird detail. You're right. Yeah. And it was the same color and pattern basically as it was. Yeah. In, in, to, to my recollection at that time, it was my dad's shirt. You wow. know, of course, when he woke me up, he was not wearing that shirt. Right. Um, right. You know, it was, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, anyone's guess is as good as mine, but just, it would be interesting if this was and some sort of, you know, entity outside of dreamland, say. It, right. was, it wasn't sure. a dream. It would be very, very interesting if it chose that pattern of plaid or, right. or check to appear to you in. And that was the thing. I mean, I wasn't a bad kid, right? You know, I wasn't in trouble often. And I think the the two things, I mean, the flannel piece, and I think I said that in the email that I when I sent it to you. Like, I don't even know if this necessarily fits with your flannel man thing. Um, what's more vivid to me, honestly, is the sound I heard mm-hmm. and, you know, just the feeling I had. It was so bizarre. And um, I had only heard... And I want to say it was recent. It was way after I had reached out to you where this girl had said, I think she used the reference of like a windmill. And I don't know if it was the sound she heard or she saw that. I just remember when I had heard that, I'm like, you know, that actually kind of fits with my thing. Yeah. Um, Very weird. Do you remember the sound ending abruptly as your parents came in or? I do. That was the thing when I, you know, and again, this is however long, 26, 27 years ago, or I guess not that long. I'm sorry. I have to do better math, but you know, it was so long ago to me. Yeah. I do recall it was just kind of over. Um, and to be honest, I, now I do remember when I pulled the covers over my head, I could still hear it. And I could still feel it. But as I began to scream, I'm not sure if it went away or what. But that kind of fits. I, or I guess that kind of goes against, you know, like the sleep paralysis thing. It was unlike anything I had with that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I don't even remember my night terrors. The, that was just like a period I had as a kid that my parents talk about, you know, mainly because my daughter experienced it too. But, yeah, that was kind of it for that. You know, whenever anybody talks flat man, you kind of covered the sleep paralysis thing, and which we yeah. may, we may come back to. Sure. Uh, so you had sleep paralysis, and I always ask about black dogs, and you said you didn't have a black yep. dog thing, but you have this weird thing with this black cat. Yep, yep, which was really weird. So this happened in Michigan, and it would have been probably around, I want to say it was probably 2012, and I guess it could have been 2013, but it was... November, I want to say it would have been 13th, because I think the shotgun opener for gun, I want to say, is on the 15th of November. So I had uh, I moved on to this piece of property um, that was owned by a family. It was their parents' house. And so I was renting that house, and one of the adult relatives lived on that same piece of uh, acreage. I want to say it was a 60 to 80 acres. And I'm a big deer hunter and uh, I kind of became buddies with this guy and we put trail cams out and planted all this corn and did all these things. And he had mentioned 
you know, having like pictures of a cat of this like big black cat. I remember us pressing him, trying to see him and he deleted it or whatever. And that was kind of it. You know, I never thought it was a black Panther or anything. So he and I, the day before shotgun um, was to open, we went out and we were driving (laughs) through that corn to have a lane, you know, like a shooting lane essentially. And we had hopped out and I, my oldest boy was, you know, gosh, he would have been two, maybe three at the most at the time. And I had him with me and he's a little kid. He's excited being out there and he, he was being loud. And, you know, I had just leaned down to whisper to him like, Hey, we have to be quiet, buddy. We're going to scare the deer. And as I said that my neighbor was like, Oh, there it is. And I looked up and I mean, not 15, 20 yards from us was this big black cat. And it was moving, you know, if I'm at six o'clock, it would have been at about the eight o'clock position moving towards two o'clock away from us, you know, at an angle. Mm -hmm. And it just, it ran and it ran at first. I, you know, I saw it for maybe a split second and then I saw it it went into the corn and then that lane that we had just cut out, it went right diagonally through that. And, you know, so I had a good look at it for a few seconds and I mean, it was huge. It was a black mountain lion, black Panther. It was hundred percent flesh and blood. And I mean, we just stood there kind of shocked. And my first thought is my little boy is right here, you know, it was just, it was bizarre. So it actually ran down, there was some snow on the ground and it ran down to these railroad tracks. And the first thing I actually did was call the DNR. And the lady, the dispatcher that I had talked to um, kind of laughed at me. He was like, well, I'll take your information. And I had a DNR officer call me within minutes. You know, kind of the craziest part about it is he acknowledged it. You know, he's like, you know, yeah, we get reports of those things. And in fact, there was like an elderly woman that the spring of that same year had reported it just like a mile or two away from me. Hmm. The way he explained it at the time, one, they don't acknowledge them because there's not a breeding population. No one's ever seen, you know, uh, babies or whatever. But, and he had never seen a black panther, but he had seen mountain lion up there. And now I believe that the Michigan DNR acknowledges that they're there. But at least then they're like, you know, we really don't acknowledge them. People have the sightings. But yeah, dude, that was weird. And so that if any kind of black animal fits into the picture, that was it for me. Well, the thing about black cougars is, you know, according to Wikipedia, there is no authenticated case of a truly melanistic cougar. No specimen right. has been photographed or killed in the wild, nor ever bred in captivity. <laughs> right. So like they don't have that allele, right? Like mm-hmm. they can't. And that's kind of the weird thing. But I saw this, you know, my neighbor saw this, mm-hmm. my little boy saw it, you know, he was young enough. I don't know that he truly remembers it or if he just talks about it. But I'll tell you, I had got for Christmas one year, this book and it was weird Michigan, I think it was called or weird travels Michigan. And in there, there was a page of black panthers. And, you know, my little boy's like, oh, dad, you know, that's what we saw, you know, and it was, it was bizarre. I saw it. And to me, it was definitely 
flesh and blood. I had, there were skid marks. There was no tracks. So I have to say that I did not have like a paw print, but you could see where it skidded down the embankment, you know, towards those railroad tracks. And at the time, you know, the, the DNR officer said he was, I, I think they have these big counties and we were in um, Clare County either way, you know, he wasn't close, but he's like, you know, maybe I'll come and like, check it out. And I don't know that he ever showed up. He never called me back. There was never anything, but to me, it was kind of cool. I mean, at least here is someone who is, you'd think maybe in the know. And yeah, he said there were sightings of it. So it, you know, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The cougar I saw while not black appeared entirely natural. But there's yeah. just that one bizarre detail the, the second day. I saw it at the same time of the morning, two days in which, a row. Which, yeah, yeah. It's in the same exact place as the day before. And then my brother just acted like a zombie when I pointed out to him. He just did like he didn't acknowledge it at all. I guess that's kind of the thing. You know, again, I'm a big hunter and I know there's a lot of people that are against it. But, you know, I lived in Arizona um, for a time uh, when I was in undergrad and you know, I worked for an elk guide out there and we would come across mountain lions, you know, um, and I've hunted mountain lion and they roam to my knowledge. I mean, they're, uh, you know, territories like 80 square miles, you know, and they constantly are roaming. So I think the fact that anyone would see, you know, a mountain lion in the same spot, the same time, the same day, I mean, the chances of that to me would be tiny. It's bizarre. So, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. I guess there's it's similar to people who have like Sasquatch sightings, right? Like it's flesh and blood to them, but then there are still those weird right details, you right. know? Yeah. Um just bizarre, bizarre. And you know, these sort of out of place big cats pop yeah. up around other weird stuff too, you know, so it's it's yeah. always like a yeah, and they always appear perfectly natural. You know, it's, it's right, right. Yeah, it was there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it, people say, "Oh, I know what I saw." I mean, I definitely know what I saw, but it was there. It moved the corn. You know, it's not like oh, it was silent. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was very bizarre. I guess what the meaning of that is, I don't know. I think, at least for me, my neighbor saw it, and my son was there, and he saw it. Well, again, like I had said, I don't know if he truly remembers it or not, or if it's just because we talk about it, but he saw the very same thing. And I guess, you know, to go to the where you said your friend kind of act, acted like a zombie, to go to my neighbor, you know, he was a retired truck driver, pretty rough guy, but really, really good guy. But he was just, you know, black and white type of deal. And he had mentioned this to me long before we actually saw it. But when I tried to talk to him about it, he was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I think it was just probably a big barn cat. And I'm like, dude, no, that thing was like 150 pounds. I mean, it was huge. Right. I have a 100-pound German short hair. He's big for, you know, his breed. And this cat was far bigger, you know, than him. Yeah, I was going to ask you, since you've seen, you know, other cougars yeah. you know in places where they should be let's say right <laughs> yeah yeah how did this one compare in size to those it was definitely bigger oh for wow sure. wow it was you know again i would say if i had to throw a weight on it i would say around like 150 pounds of course the weird thing is a cat is if you've ever just like a house cat 
they're strange. You pick them up and you might ex- expect them to be heavier than they actually are. So when I put the poundage on it, I'm more saying like it's length, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. it was, and gosh, I don't know. Cause the tail was so long, but I, I guess I would hesitate to throw a, uh, a size out there. Cause I'll probably hear this and be like, Oh no, that's wrong. But it was way bigger. Probably the biggest cat that I saw actually that was weighed, you know, that was actually killed was about 120 pounds. And that was a really, that was a big mountain lion. But I mean, they can get up to like 200 pounds in Washington and Colorado and stuff. So again, these were Arizona mountain lions, which can get pretty big. But either way, I mean, it was, to just to answer your question, it was bigger than mm-hmm. normal yeah, for me. Wow, that's... Yeah. Yeah, it was that's bizarre. Well, it's a cool sighting, you know. It was. Either way. It was. And, and I mean, it might have made a big enough impression on your son where he does remember it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, the human body and the human mind, we don't truly understand it. And I mean, in day to day things, I just my job, I mean, people do things that we wouldn't expect, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that things can imprint on you just from being so profound. And it was, I think, just the reaction of us and the excitement of seeing it. It, it certainly could be a true memory for him. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So you had another experience hunting. We were talking briefly before I hit record and yep. you called it a demon. So I definitely want to hear about this. Oh, my gosh, Tim. Oh, man. So um, this would have taken place if I put a year on it. Uh, gosh. I guess I'm not exactly sure, but it was in Arizona again. And through hunting, I got in, and this is actually when I did like the mountain lion hunting, I got introduced to this guide who's a young kid and, you know, a couple years younger than me, I had some video production experience and stuff. And so I made this deal uh, with an outfitter that I would film and then make like kind of like an advertisement thing that he could put out there. And so I meet, this kid and i guess i'll just call him bj you know i really didn't know him and i i went out and i met him he he was a nice enough kid this was in tonto basin arizona um very 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 small town so i go out and meet him he just kind of didn't have a lot to say we just kind of did our thing and that was that right before i moved you know i thought hey you know i'm gonna call him and see if i can go one more time you know and so I call him up and he's like, oh yeah, you know, um, we'll go out. And uh, so we ma- we planned this trip and I had another buddy he wanted to come with. So I'm like, okay, we'll meet out there and we made plans to do it. So I got out there first and we had to go into Payson to get some things. And this time when I had gone there, he was just acting different. And I just got kind of a weird vibe from him. He didn't have a lot to say. And you know when you, it was almost like I hadn't met him before. You know when you first meet somebody and there's that weird conversation, it's like forced almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like that. And we're driving in my Jeep and it was just super awkward. And out of nowhere, he asked me, he's like, hey, he's like, do you believe in demons? And I remember just having the weirdest feeling. I mean, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I believe in God. And so, you know, I guess, you know, by the nature of that, I believe in demons, you know, and he's like, okay. And I'm like, why? And he just didn't want to go into it. And I'm like, okay. Um, 
And again, it was just kind of weird, you know, like turn the radio up and drive. So <laughs> we get to Payson and went into the store together and um, he had to like get some things. And I got a couple things when we're walking out. He's like, you know, I've done some things that I'm not very proud of. And I'm like, what? It was it was so weird, man. And here I'm alone with this guy. And I'm like, okay, when's my buddy going to get here? You know? Yeah. But, you know, so we're kind of talking and I guess kind of warming up. Again, I'd met this guy the one time and we spent, you know, I don't know, eight, ten hours together. And that was that. And uh, so we end up going back to their little ranch. And in talking, he had told me, you know, he had got kind of into pills and things. He's like, yeah, I just I did some things like that. I just wasn't very proud of. And I'm thinking like did this guy like kill somebody? You know, like I just, I was having, it was very uncomfortable. You know, eventually my buddy got up there and it was fine. And we decided to go up to this trailer that this guy's grandpa had put up on a mesa, like up on like a ridge, you know, years before. And we we're going to stay there. I guess it was where, you know, lions would kind of cross right there. We're just going to try to cut tracks in the morning. And so we get up there, we kind of set up, and it turns out my buddy who went up there uh, was Mormon. BJ is having the kind of the same conversation with my buddy that he started with me, but my buddy started kind of getting more out of him, and it turns out that BJ was actually raised Mormon as well. So they had a lot to talk about. So they're talking and whatever, and the evening comes, and you know it starts raining, and here we just kind of set up for the night in this trailer. Now, this was, when I say trailer, it was a, a mobile home. It was completely like gutted. Um, there was a generator outside and a TV with VHS tapes in it and three couches, that's it. Two of the couches were in like an L shape. And then on the other side of the mobile home was one more couch. You know, we had hung out and done whatever and kind of just gone to bed you know it was dark bj and my buddy were on one side on the two couches and i'm on the other side on a couch you know they're talking and again like this demon thing kept coming up again bj really wouldn't get into it but i was kind of like tuning out and just kind of laying there thinking at one point they asked me like hey you know and again, like this was more like a spirituality talk. And they asked me, you know, well, what do you believe? You know, I'm laying there, it's pitch black. And I'm like, you know, because I was baptized Lutheran. I went to Catholic school. You know, I've always believed in God. And I just told him, you know, here, I pray every day and I just do the best I can. And, you know, I just always ask God to understand the struggle I'm going through. Like, I just want to get it right, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> yeah. as I'm saying that, I see what looks like, and again, I'm staring off into darkness. I see what looks like a flick of like a lighter, a cigarette lighter. And you know when, you know if you like look at a light and then close your eyes, you like can still see that light? Yeah, especially when it's been dark, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I could still see it like that, you know? It wasn't like bright, but I could still almost see like just that residual. And... As I'm looking at that from it is like the best way I can explain it was like, it came this, like this face 
and it, it was snarling, like screaming, mouth open, just like, and it, the weirdest part about it, it like flew at me. And as it flew at me, and I mean, it's like it moved through me, but when it hit me, I just lost like my emotions. Like, I mean, I was bawling mm. and I couldn't, I couldn't control it. You know, BJ and my buddy like hopped up, they turned this lantern on and like came over to me and I was, I was like hyperventilating. Like I couldn't get control of myself and I'm a grown man, you know, I finally kind of calmed down and I, I told him like, I, I like, I saw this, like this head <laughs> and BJ, like he just like, I, I remember the look on his face was like, he was about to vomit and it's low light, but it was like the color drained from him, you know? And mm -hmm. he's like, dude, like, that's what I see. And I'm like, what are you, you know, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I did something, you know, and I still to this day don't know what it was, but he said ever since he has this head that appears to him and we're like, what? Like I'm beside myself. You know, my, my buddy who was up there again, he was very religious. We kind of had this moment, like here was the three of us and we prayed together and Honestly, it made me feel kind of, it made me feel a little better. Mm -hmm. But then BJ goes into this story and it just it's so bizarre. So he says, you know, he did this whatever it was and he had this head that like follows him, this de demonic head. And I can describe it if you'd like, but Yeah, please do. Now, do you want me to finish the story and then or Yeah, yeah, when he's I mean, was he ever clear about what he did? Was this like some kind of occult practice or something? Or He never told me. He okay. never told me. The only thing he ever said was that he got caught up in pills and did things like he that he wasn't proud of. And okay. so whatever it was, I have no idea. I don't know, Tim. But the story he said, so what, what he finished, when we're sitting there, we say this like prayer together and we're all sitting on the couch that I was on. You know, he says that, you know, he's seeing this head. And he said that this is so creepy, man. So he said that this like traveling preacher came to Tonto Basin. What he said, he described it. The guy said he was a, he was cowboy Christian. I don't know if that's a thing. I never Googled it, but it's just, that was the term he used. Mm -hmm. This guy was speaking at an auditorium there and BJ just felt compelled to go. When he went, you know, the guy was, preaching but that the guy kept like zoning in on him the entire time like this guy was like on him he ended up he just left you know and the guy had said um you know where he was staying and to my knowledge i think there's like one motel there you know so the guy was in this motel and bj's at his house and he like decides to go there and he said when he knocked on the guy's door that it was like the guy expected him. He had BJ come in and they're like sitting at this table uh, in the room and he asked him, have you ever been baptized? And BJ says, no, like, no, I've never been baptized. They're like, well, can I baptize you? And that he agreed to it. And he said the guy had like a bowl of water and that 
the guy was like baptizing him and that he just felt hot. Like his entire body was hot. And he said that the guy was like right in his face, like screaming at him and that he, BJ himself started uncontrollably like speaking in tongues. Hmm. And I'm sitting there like, Oh, like it freaked me out. And, you know, he said he ended up leaving and, you know, this thing follows him. He said he sees it outside. He sees it at his parents' house. Like he sees this. That night, in the middle of the night, my buddy, I'm like, dude, we got to get out of here. And we ended up leaving. And, you know, it was a very defining moment in my life where I had kind of strayed a little bit. You know, I spent time in the military and just, you know, I still prayed and stuff, but I just was kind of lost. And that really zoned me in. And it was just this weird time for me. You know, for the longest time, I couldn't even talk about it without crying. I mean, it was that profound to me. And to this day, it sticks with me all the time. It's not something I tell people often because it's a very weird story. But uh, yeah, I looked him up one time after this. I don't have like Facebook or anything. He's still out there. But yeah, dude, it was it was bizarre. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. So just a quick aside... It has been said that a cowboy church has five principal characteristics. Non-denominational, no offerings collected or solicited, no membership, no dress code, held in non-traditional <laughs> settings. Maybe that's what the guy was talking about. I'm, yeah, 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 very well could be. And I know yeah. this guy came from out of town. Like, he was very clear about that. And that he didn't know the guy, but, like, the guy zoned in on him, you know? Yeah. Um, it was weird, man. <laughs> now, I mean, do you know the timeline of... BJ's involvement, like, was he already involved in the quote-unquote bad stuff when he... Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yes, and so he had already seen the head and everything before that had happened. I don't know for how long. He had made it clear that he wasn't involved in the things, whatever it was, anymore. The thing is, from when I first met him to that second time, it was different. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very different. And I want to say it was... It was probably within, you know, a year at least, you know, it wasn't that long, but, uh, you know, there was a, there was a gap in time there. It was bizarre. It was very weird. Yeah. Well, there was no black dog with that flannel man, but if there was, and you needed help training that black dog, where would you go, Allison? I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you mean you mean <laughs> Tina at 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. I would just slowly back away, but I feel like Tina could rush in and know just what to do. Puppies can be wild and crazy whirlwinds of destruction. I suppose supernatural black dogs could as well. Seems likely. If you have a puppy and you need help with mouthing and biting, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture, shoes, or other things they shouldn't be chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. You need 90 days to the perfect puppy. They can teach you what to do, but also, and perhaps more importantly, what not to do. Absolutely. You can find 90 days to the perfect puppy at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. But I guess to describe what I saw... So it kind of, it, it had like a human morphology to it. I, I didn't see horns or anything, 
the features of it were kind of white. It was very, it was like a slender kind of long type face. And it, again, it was kind of like whitish and around it, there was like a greenish kind of like reddish almost. It kind of faded like from green into kind of red. Like, I don't want to say aura, but it was around the head and just all the features. The eyes were very, very mean, very evil looking. Um, and just these snarling teeth. It was like, it was, it was screaming at me. I couldn't hear anything. But from the time I saw it to like, it got bigger, like as it came to me and I, I definitely like felt it. Not like, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. But as soon as it like hit me and it's not like it came into me or whatever, but just as soon as it like hit me, I lost all my emotions. Like mm. it was just, it was very, very bizarre. And I've never had anything like that since. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was very weird, but it definitely centered me, you know, back into, you know, my faith. And I, I'm not somebody who I don't go to church, but I pray, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, it was, yeah, a very weird experience. I don't know anyone else who's definitely when I've talked about it, no one's had an experience like that that I've heard of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's creepy and intense, and yeah. you know, I, I like would have a million follow-up questions if we could talk to VJ. <laughs> you know? well, that's the thing, you know, and he just wouldn't, you know, and I'm not a, a person who pries into things, and to be honest with you, I was so uncomfortable the way that he just kind of opened it. It was bothering him, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just didn't press him much. I asked, but, you know, when he didn't want to really give details i didn't really go there yeah um i guess i could try to reach out to the guy i mean it's just very weird and you know the other thing i've, I've thought about it very very objectively it's one thing and i could maybe kind of write it off if he had like said hey i'm seeing this head or anything like the, all of those details came after right. i had said hey man i just saw this you know right it was a weird thing. And do you happen to know if he was seeing it in different locations or was it associated with yes. this? Was he okay? Yeah, yeah. No, and that was the thing. So he had said he sees it outside. Um, I know he said that he had seen it at his parents' house. And yeah, it, it follows him is what he said. So yeah, it wasn't like attached to that trailer, according to him. Right. Very yeah. weird. If I had something like that following me, I'd, I'd get it taken care of. <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, my gosh. And that was like a big fear for me, honestly, Um, right after it happened. Like, is this thing going to attach itself to me? Right. Um, sure. Sure. You know, and kind of the little weird things that had happened to me before, never really that profound, you know. And if anything, and again, if I'm very objective, they could just be dreams. But, you know, I almost think, why did I see it there? And, you know, to me, I guess my justification for it was, you know, maybe it was because of what I was saying, like trying to warn me off, you know, like attack me to, to have me not, I guess, share what I was saying with BJ, you know, I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. But yeah. Thank God it didn't follow me, you know? So. Yeah. Right. That, oof. <laughs> So left that night, did you go back to uh, hunt the following day or were you nope, done? Nope, nope. We drove done. back. So um, at the time I was living in Mesa, and it, it, it's quite a drive. But nope, I we left it there, you know, and my buddy and I um, 
talked about it. Um, you know, I guess in, I don't, I'm not going to claim to know a lot about, uh, Mormonism. I don't, but I do know, you know, he had talked about, and it, I think it's why he was talking to BJ so much, you know, they were on this like demon topic and, um, something they call like the priesthood or something where they believe they like have the ability to like cast out demons and whatnot. Maybe they do. I don't know. But that was something that he had talked about. He'd gone to like Ohio on like a mission trip. And he said that he had experienced, you know, demonic things and this and that and whatever. We talked about it, but we left it there. And in fact, this happened because I was moving, you know, to the Midwest. So no, you know, again, I had looked BJ up one time after that, but I never talked to him after that. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah, we can hope he's doing all right and hope whatever that was is, is not with him anymore. Not there anymore, I know, man. Very weird. Yeah. Another thing, I guess with the sleep paralysis thing, and the only reason I really bring this up, again, it's because, and I said it before, I contacted you because here you would kind of like clump these things together, and I'm like, well, hey, I've like experienced those. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'd had the uh, sleep paralysis, and it's something, the last time I had it, I know for a fact it was in 2008, And I always had it. And whatever the significance of it is, I'm not sure. But I never saw anything. I did have a couple times where I guess I felt like something was there. But for me, I could always pull out of it as soon as I got like a word out. And I got so used to it happening that I stopped trying to like call out for people. And I would just make a sound. You know, Mm -hmm. I just had to like work to get that sound out. And then it's like it's gone. You know, the one experience that I guess stands out to me also happened in Arizona, but this would have been, you know, a few years prior. I just got out of the military. I was living with some buddies, four guys um, in a three-bedroom house. And, uh, you know, I was sharing a room with a buddy. And so every once in a while, I got sick of doing that. And I'd go, I'd sleep on the couch. And uh, we had a bulldog that we kenneled that was always like at one end of the couch. And it happened that my head was right there. I woke up to him going nuts in the kennel. I mean, like, it, like he's attacking something, you know, fighting something. And as I wake up, I realize, like, oh, I can't move. Again, I had, I did have the feeling of, like, a presence there, but it was just the dog going nuts. And I do that thing where I, you know, just force a word out. And, you know, when I, I kind of popped out of it, I got up. And, you know, the dog in the kennel had, like, hit the side of the kennel so hard that he was bleeding from, like, the folds around his mouth, you know. Mm. And he would get infections in there, you know, all the time. We had a swimming pool. He'd go in there and, you know, if it didn't get dried out, he'd get these little infections. And it could have just been that. But, again, I don't have this you know, all these details like, oh, you know, I saw this thing and that, but that was the one time that I had a sleep paralysis episode where there was something else objectively there that seemed to have experienced something, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just a weird thing. So were you able to, the sleep paralysis incident, you were able Mm -hmm. to kind of wake up from that. You didn't fall back asleep. Yeah, you know, and that it was a weird thing. The dog was so panicked. I mean, his heart was racing. I pulled him out of the kennel and he sat with me on the couch there. I just kind of sat there like, man, that's weird. 
But yeah, I did end up going back to sleep. It was like, again, this was such a, the sleep paralysis for me was kind of a regular thing. You know, once the dog kind of calmed down, it was a weird thing. You know, my roommates never came out uh, and woke up, you know, or anything like that. It's just a weird, it was probably the most recent and most profound, I guess, experience I had. But yeah, I went right back to sleep, you know, once the dog calmed down. Right. No, but I mean, the fact that the, you know. Dog reacted. Yeah. 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 And, and is this chicken and egg thing? Like, did you have, was the dog going nuts over something and then that got in your head and caused a sleep paralysis incident? Or were sure. you were you both sort of reacting yeah. to something external? Yeah. 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 I, I guess that's a, that's a good point. I mean. I know, you know, in medical literature, sleep paralysis is a thing, um, you know, and I don't know exactly how common it is, but, you know, I'm familiar with like the old hag syndrome and Mm -hmm. all these things. And I never had anything like that, but yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know what would spark it and being objective and I guess kind of analyzing things. Those experiences to me never happened in like high stress situations or anything like that. There was no like really anything going on other than that happening. It was just a normal night. As far as how common sleep paralysis, I've been given different figures. Um, yeah. I can only attest to how common it is amongst paranormal witnesses, judging by strange familiar guests. And sure. I'd say that amongst witnesses to the paranormal, it's extremely common. Uh, sure. You know, almost everybody I ask says, yeah, yeah, I have that. Or had that, you know. And it's so weird. Like, so it, I, is it something in our brain or in our psyche that allows us to experience these things? Or is it like the lantern in the dark analogy where some people just have that beacon to the paranormal? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But, you know, kind of my view on things is, it's normal, right? It's par- we describe it, we label it as paranormal, but these are things that happen. It's hard to pinpoint. Are yeah. you? Yeah. I guess are you familiar with or done any you know research into like the whole RH thing, the whole RH negative thing? I've heard about it. You know, I actually don't know my blood type, but according yeah. to the Punit Square we did for our kids i probably am rh negative like yeah it's, it's not it's not definitive but i like according to that i most likely am i should probably just look in my medical file i'm sure it's in there yeah but, uh, oh it'll be it should be in there um i guess generally it's if you know we do that if we're going to give someone blood um the only reason i know my blood type is because the military you know on our dog tags they put that there sure and yeah. i'm a negative so and that that was a big thing right after that experience, you know, with that demon thing. I wanted to know why. And that kind of like put me on to this like quest of like trying to figure this out. And I know it was just a weird thing um, that came up. And so maybe that's, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But I, I do know, I, I believe that RH negatives like less than, I want to say like 5% of the population. It's fairly uncommon, I know. Mm. And I had mentioned that to you before. I do have these periods in my life where I'll see these repetitive numbers. And you're saying, like, that's really common. And that could be muscle memory, right? Like, I look at my watch. It just happens to be at the same time every day. But I know for me, it's always happened at, like, these transitional points in my life. Right, um, yeah. 
you know, going from like med- uh, or undergrad into medical school and these kind of things. And to me, I was just kind of took it like, oh, it just means I'm on the right path, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I think you had told me you had these experiences where you could like know when a light was going to change, or I could turn them off, street lights. By That's so crazy, yeah, yeah. Just there was one that it was. I was so good at it. I would yeah. drive underneath it and point. And if it was off, it would turn on. And if it was on, it would it would turn off. I just said it's the lamest superpower of all time. <laughs> but uh, at one point, did it just stop? Or I mean, can you still experience this? It seemed to stop, but you know, I feel like it it came in waves before anyway. Like it, sure. it's yeah. something I, I recognized when I was like, you know, maybe late teenager, and then mm-hmm. probably didn't know what to do with it. And probably went, oh, that's weird. Just, this coincidence keeps happening. And then yeah. in my 30s, we were living in a different town. I, I remember there was yeah. this one light every time. I could, I could, it was like I could point at. It's like I had a switch. I would tell people, yeah. I'd say, "Look, <laughs> I'm going to turn this light off." I'd point at it as we drove under and it'd turn off, and it was just bizarre. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what that is at all. But no, it doesn't seem to be happening at least with any frequency now. Sure. But you know, may, maybe it'll come back. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think there's like just kind of times in life where maybe we're whether it's a frequency thing or I don't know if it's a mindset, like are we, but either way, these things kind of come maybe in waves. And when you talk about repetitive numbers, this would have been the exact same time in my life where we had, I had read Mothman prophecies and so much weird stuff started popping up around us. And my wife read it. And again, she was at this time, you know, skeptical as she ever was. And yeah. she started having stuff like we get like phone calls with nobody on the other end constantly. We I'd wake up every morning at I forget if it was three thirteen or three eleven or something. Yep. Every, yeah. Same time every morning, and then she started doing it. So, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like look at the clock, and it, it would be that time every morning, and just all these weird little synchronicities started popping up around us. So this would have been at the same time, you know, all that was going on. It's sort of my adult the beginning of my adult you know romance with the paranormal would have been you know that you know like i loved it when i was a kid and kind of you know pulled away from it and you know did teenage stuff and college stuff and then kind of got back into it after so this would have been at that time and that's it it's like and i guess that kind of goes to you know i don't even know if i'm labeling it correctly but you know like that lantern in in the dark type of thing like do we enter into like a mindset or just this frequency that puts us in touch with that. I do think that once you experience it, and I think everybody has these type of experiences, but a lot of people, you know, will have more of like a normalcy bias where it's like, ah, you know, no, this must be something else, you know, or that was a big black house cat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's like, so you don't, put your mind there and you, you stay shut off to that. So you're not going to, I think you, whether your subconscious recognizes it or not, but maybe it's, you know, us who accept it, not that we're looking for it, but you know, you, you notice it more often And you know, I do think that again, bias can play into things mm-hmm. where you're like, well, and uh, again, my, you know, little incident with that, sound and the that guy in my dad's shirt and you know flannel shirt to me you know that 
it probably was a dream. And like I said in my email, you know, it was just the fact that I never thought that that shirt necessarily meant anything. And maybe it didn't. But, you know, the fact that these people are having these flannel man type things. And some people have like profound experiences. I remember you had a guest who saw him like planting seeds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's bizarre. And I guess I would, the one thing, and I don't know, maybe you have before, but has anyone else ever recognized the shirt? Not to my knowledge. There have been people who, you know, they would see this entity in flannel and they would say, well, that's Uncle Jim because Uncle Jim always wore flannel shirts, you know? Sure, uh, sure. So something like that. But it wasn't like that's 100% Uncle Jim's shirt, you know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And like to me in my memory and like as I recognized it there, it was my dad's shirt, right? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and whether it was or not, I guess I could never say. But yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. And I mean, I was never, my you know, my mom kind of opened us up to like, I, not necessarily the paranormal, but I think made it okay to have those experiences. You, you know, before she met my dad, she was engaged to a guy who ended up dying in a plane crash. And he had premonitions of his death. Mm. And shortly before... I don't exactly know how tarot cards work, but they were at like a wedding. It was like a month or two before he actually died. And he like drew those cards, like the death cards. And um, sure enough, like he, he did end up passing away. And my mom, his sister, and his mom all had visitations from him. Wow. And uh, we were raised with that story and I guess kind of those stories. And whether that, even though I didn't, grow up in a haunted house or anything like that but whether that kind of opened me up to like you know maybe have some of those experiences or whatnot i guess i can't say but at this point trying to tie things together i guess i wonder if that's relevant yeah i mean quite possibly i think there is a there does seem to be like a familial component to this at least sometimes where people are like you know my mom saw ghosts or blank and then i see them or whatever. Sure. And to the kind of circle back to sleep paralysis. Yeah. Uh, lately, especially, I really think there's a dream element to all this. Now, I'm not saying people are dreaming when they see this, sure. but I really feel like there's a there's a component to it. And, and so yeah. while sleep paralysis may be, you know, medically explainable on one hand, there's a separate gateway there. So so we may yeah. maybe there's a physical explanation, but there's also something else going on, you know, beyond yeah. that. Oh, I agree. And when you think about it, I mean, dreams are so bizarre anyway, you know, and they say, you know, we're forming memory and it's, you know, these electrical impulses in our brain and whatnot. But the weirdest thing we do as humans is sleep, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for X amount of hours a day, we shut down, right, mentally and go into this like kind of restorative place, you know, and to me, and maybe I'm just weird, but I think that's odd, you know, um, sleep is a weird thing, but I guess, you know, being human and life, it's kind of an anomaly, you know, why, why are we here and aware of our existence? You right. Know? I mean, these are the uh, massive questions, you know, bigger, yeah, bigger right. even than yeah, what is yeah. Bigfoot or what are UFOs? These are, these are the, sure. the big ones. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I know I haven't directly had, you know, any experiences with Bigfoot or anything. I grew up, you know, in Washington state where it's part of our 
culture, you know, and my neighbor had experiences and I guess that's the thing. That would be the one thing I would love to have happen. Um, you know, I would love that, but maybe in the future, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I'm a thousand percent right there with you. And on the other hand, I go like, part of me goes, ah, be careful what you wish for. Like, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I don't want the face to face again. I'm, I'm a big hunter, man. I don't want, you know, I don't want that, but I think, uh, it, that would just be, I think that would be a pretty cool thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, believe me, sometimes I'm out, you know, we were, back out at pandemonium this weekend and and yeah one part of me is going let me see something let me see something let me see yeah. something. let me see something. another yeah. part of me is going i don't want to see anything <laughs> you know? yeah they're yeah. constantly at war right and well where do you go from there once you do see something like that and that's the thing i mean i'm going into the woods in the dark in the morning and generally going out with the sun coming down and yeah i definitely don't want to have any kind of face-to-face and i think on one hand if i did see something like that it probably i'd probably rethink um doing a lot of that stuff but maybe the the car sighting would be the best i don't know yeah or just just to know it's it's real and out there you know i do believe there's something there for sure but um i always figured like 20 to 50 yards but it's going away from me away like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. it may maybe be, maybe get a good like face view it sees me turns around yeah. and heads the other way that that would probably <laughs> yeah. be ideal that'd be great <laughs> i agree all right chris thanks so much for sharing your stories yeah no i appreciate your time thanks tim Before we get to our curiosity of the week, I would like to thank our patrons who make this show possible. There are 75 patron shows right now. Soon there will be 76 and 77 before September's over. If you sign up now, you get those 75 patron shows right away. Those are full episodes of Strange Familiars, not just excerpts or bonus interviews or anything like that. They're full episodes. You'll get 75 of those right away. And then as we release new episodes every month, you'll get new extra episodes of Strange Familiars. Like I said, we've been doing two extra episodes every month for our patrons. In the past, we've done more. We always try to give our patrons as much as we can, but we are, at this point, promising those two episodes a month. The way to become a patron is to go to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's all different tiers of support there, from the extra content level on up to things like t-shirts, copies of my books, and more. Check it out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription or yearly subscription, they offer that option as well. Like Patreon, you just want to make a one-time donation, you can go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. You'll see a paypal.me link. You can click that and make a one-time donation there. We could not make Strange Familiars without our patrons. Thank you so much. So our curiosity of the week, Allison, it's a bit of a mystery. We spent way too much time. (laughs) (laughs) Learning what years one cent stamps are applied to postcards and then cross-referencing that with when the divided back era starts. And then we just decided no one's buying it for the year. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you know what it just reminded me of when I saw it? I got this total flash. I know we both talked about this and maybe... Other listeners remember this, who are maybe older. <laughs> of there was a specific film strip that we watched in elementary school. Oh yeah, at Halloween, and it it featured Dance Macabre in, in the background, mm-hmm. and there were dancing skeletons. And this 
postcard reminds me so much of that and it's probably why we bought it initially because we were like obsessed with watching that trying to find that on youtube when youtube first became available yeah i can still hear it with the beeps like i know when you're supposed to flip it to the next but that was that was my my favorite film strip so one cent stamps (laughs) (laughs) were used on postcards starting in the 1800s then they changed to two cents in 1917. Then they changed back to one cent sometime in the 1920s. Something that would never happen today. <laughs> then they changed to two cents again. Then they changed back to one cent for a long time. So we have no clue based on the stamp when this was. The postmark is unreadable. But we, it is October. Yeah, we know it's October. I'm going to say this is a Halloween postcard. Absolutely, yep. It's a skeleton playing a fiddle with a bone. I don't know how that would work as a bow. But uh, he could do it. And then he's playing for a sort of gathering of ghosts down below him. I assume they're ghosts or maybe they're cultists in white cloaks. Maybe it's a death cult. <laughs> I think we're really reading into That's this. worshiping. The, it's a Halloween postcard. <laughs> it is a Halloween postcard, but it is a cool one. I'm going to go ahead and say pre-1930 is my guess on this. Yeah, but, I would say so from the graphics too. But we're not sure. And I looked for this particular Halloween postcard. I could not find it. I couldn't find it either. But the season's a-coming. Halloween is upon us sooner than not. I don't know. I think basically what happened is it went from 80 degrees to 79 degrees, and we're all like, we're calling it. (laughs) Well, you know, in the circles I run in, everyone gets very, very excited for Halloween and posts their Halloween decorations, you know, well before October. I mean, if everyone else gets six months for Christmas, I want at least three for Halloween. (laughs) There you go. So if you go to strangefamiliars.com, under this episode, in the show notes, you'll see an image of this postcard. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this. And there are a couple other, I think, curiosities of the week left, though not many. They tend to sell out pretty quickly. We do have some of the photos of the week left there. You can pick those up. While you're on Etsy, you can check out all of my books. I just got restocked, so all of my books are in stock once again. You can buy those there, my art books, my art booklet, Monsters Under the Hospital Bed. I have original art up there, Strange Familiars t-shirts, and more. Go ahead and check it out. Our shop name is Lost Grave, one word, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up, along with Karmic Gardens, our friends. You can check out their Etsy shop as well. They make a Strange Familiars bespoke scented soap, and also a flannel man scent, and much more. And while you're there, make sure to check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. Just a reminder that on September 18th at 1 p.m., I will be giving a talk at the John R. Kaufman Jr. Public Library. That's 40 South 5th Street in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. I'll be talking about Bigfoot in Pennsylvania based on my book of the same name. I'll also be talking a little bit about Abitwitch. If you want to come and share your Bigfoot stories I would love to hear them. I believe Chad will be with me, so you can meet us both, tell us your stories, buy copies of my books, and hear my presentation. Again, that's Saturday, September 18th at 1 p.m. at the John R. Kaufman Jr. Public Library in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. And I guess that's it for this episode of Strange Familiars. We'll be back soon with more. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. 
If you'd like to hear more or purchase music by Stonebreath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. If you're on Facebook, you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. And you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. In 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event, live in person in Nashville and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the paranormal. Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Banal, Soraya Ascath, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Rains, Chris Ernst, Heather Mosher, Michael Hughes, Jose Herrera, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Stephen Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Ren Collier. Tickets available at StrangeRealitiesConference.com. It's going to be amazing.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.